Today on Blue 58, the Packers traveled to Indianapolis and were unable to overcome a very familiar opponent, the Green Bay Packers. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here, talking Packers football. Wish it was under better circumstances. The Packers fall in Indianapolis 34-31 to in overtime, and what, what a game it was. I'm not sure I've seen anything quite like this. In substance, I guess, yes. I've seen collapses before. I've seen overtime losses before. I've never seen one quite like this. It's hard to say either team really would have deserved it. The Packers certainly didn't. They tried their best to give it away and ultimately succeeded. But the Colts were right there with them. And here we find ourselves repeating a familiar story. The Packers lose to a team with a fast physical defense, in part because their defense can't make enough plays to just give their offense any breathing room at all, but also because the offense finds itself outsmarting itself. Prior to this game, it was kind of having a busy Sunday. Had a lot of stuff going on today. Didn't have time to get as prepped before the game as I would have liked, was running around right at the last second trying to find something to write on. And I ducked into the podcast studio area, grabbed the first notebook I could find, and sat down and started taking notes. And it wasn't until we got a little bit into the game that I had a second to look back at the only other game that I had notes on that particular notebook in. And wouldn't you know it, it was last season's very final game. The Packers' embarrassing loss to the San Francisco 49ers. And ultimately, that felt a little bit fitting. Because the last pages of notes I had prior to this game had questions about how the Packers beat themselves so badly, whether or not Mike Pettin should continue to have a job in Green Bay, and what the Packers' ultimate failure to put a successful defense on the field basically throughout the second half of the Aaron Rodgers era at any point, even dating back to his 2011, if you want to say so, though their first two or three years with him as a starter, their defense was pretty good. But what that says about Aaron Rodgers' legacy, how that will affect his legacy, what an inability to beat a team that's constructed like the 49ers were would say about his legacy. And I thought that was kind of odd because now it seems we're seeing the same story play out again. Packers are on the road. The Packers are losing to a fast physical defense. The Packers are beating themselves as much as the excellent defense they are playing against is beating them. And so here we are left with a 34-31 loss for the Packers. A loss that knocks them off the top of the NFC heap. And a loss that could have big implications as far as playoff seating down the road. Before we get to the bad of which there is plenty, let's talk about three good things. Let's make ourselves do that. First and foremost, Alan Lazard is back. He did some Alan Lazard things, and the Packers said they were going to have him on a pitch count, so it's not entirely surprising to not see him put up a big, or to see him fail to put up a big stat line, but still, two catches, 18 yards, and four targets, worked open along the sideline, was just another big dependable body in the passing game, which is something the Packers really, really can use. The defense, for all their faults, did get their hand on the ball a fair bit today. According to NFL Game Stats and Information, 
They had 10 passes defense today. That is currently their number that could change as they reevaluate some plays. But as it stands, that's a pretty good number. Nine different players recorded a pass defense. That's got to be some kind of record, at least in the time that we've been charting these games. It's, it's a lot at any case. And that was good to see, even if the defensive effort overall was not outstanding. Finally, Kenny Clark got a sack. As the Packers continue to try to get their pass rush to round into form, they're going to need Kenny Clark to be a part of it. And it's nice to see him get some counting stats to go along with his increased pressure that we've seen over the last couple games. Also had two quarterback hits, but the bad. Oh my goodness, there is a lot of bad in this game. Let's try to restrict it to three. The first real bad thing was just the entire second half worth of offensive drives. Here were the Packers' seven drives in the second half and overtime. How they ended, at least. Punt, punt, fumble, turnover on downs, field goal, fumble. Woof. That's two honest-to-goodness three-and-outs, two turnovers, and a missed fourth-down conversion. On that fourth-down conversion, the Packers come to the line. Jamal Williams is their running back. They run play action, two deep routes, and Jamal Williams trying to make a play in space against the linebacker. That does not seem like a winning conversation to me. Even with a better throw, and a better throw probably is a completion in a first down, that still seems like a very flawed idea. And it just sort of encapsulated their entire second half. They just could not get out of their own way. Going for it on fourth down there, good. That play, bad. Speaking of bad, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Now, the big play in the fourth quarter was nearly redeeming. Put the Packers in position to win the game. But then, but then. I don't even have to explain to you what happened in overtime. But I will just go on to point out that even without the fumble, even if you take that entire play out of the equation, say the Packers go down there at the end of the game, and instead of kicking a field goal, they get it into the end zone and win. Even without that fumble, it's two catches on five targets for 55 yards from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yes, he has the 51-yard defensive pass interference. True. But he is the consummate boom or bust player. And boy, is there a lot of bust. It seems like for every good thing he does, there are two steps back. And as talented as he is, and it's undeniable, he does have some talent. It's just getting to be tiring to every week have to say, have to parse every target for MVS. Is he good this week or is he bad this week? Just having the conversation is exhausting. And I just wish he could figure out some way to be consistent. At least in his own way, Geronimo Allison was consistent. He was always disappointing. He was never tantalizing. MVS will at least give you some hope. But I'm tired of getting my hopes up week in and week out. The bottom line is this, though. The third bad thing is just the same old, same old. Offense turtles against a fast physical defense. And now I'm not entirely sure how much the 
Colts defense really had to do with how the Packers ultimately played in this one because there was a lot of weird stuff. But man, does it just seem familiar to see this happening again? It wasn't like the Packers got anything going on the ground. It wasn't like they moved the Colts defense at all. Aaron Jones has 41 yards on 10 carries along of 15. Other than that, nothing to speak of in the running game. Jamal Williams, 12 yards on five carries. Just the Colts didn't seem all that impressed by the Packers' offense. Packers seemed to have the right idea early. You could get deep on the Colts' defense, but they weren't able to do it consistently enough. You almost kind of get the impression that they could use another receiver who could get deep. What does this mean then? We've talked about the bad. We've talked about the good. And if it feels like we're not hitting the details on why the Packers played so poorly, I feel like that's kind of because we don't really need to hammer home the details. If the Packers were going to lose this one, and they did, we kind of knew how it was going to go. Colts are going to play tough. Colts are going to play fast. I guess the disappointing thing here is that the Packers got up and they let the Colts back in it. Colts are a lot of things. I think we saw a lot of good things from the Colts today. But they aren't the sort of offense that should be able to get back after a 14-point deficit. Who do they have outside of Michael Pittman who really seems to be capable of making big play after big play? Nobody who really should. T.Y. Hilton is 31 years old now. He shouldn't be carving up defenses. Beyond that, it's just a bunch of guys. And I guess when you put Preston Smith on him in coverage, Trey Burton can still look pretty pretty lively. But I just wish this was more of a surprise. I just wish it was surprising that the Packers kind of came up short against this kind of team. And it's really disappointing that it's not. So what does this mean then? I guess I have to start kind of where I just left off. The Packers are a finished product. We've been saying that for a while now since the training deadline. This should be exhibit A. Any hope of evolution or substantive change seems like a fool's errand. The Packers have now been beaten pretty soundly by the same type of team five times in two years. San Francisco twice. The Chargers, last year with Phillip Rivers, it should be added, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now the Colts. Soft team is soft, and soft team gets pushed around by a team that's, well, not soft. And the Packers got hammered. Well, hammered is probably putting it too bluntly, but the Packers got handled again by a team that's not as soft as they are. Secondly, hope in the playoffs is going to depend entirely on matchups. Entirely on matchups. The Packers aren't a good enough team. They aren't a deep enough team. They aren't a strong enough team on defense or a strong enough team on offense to line up against just any kind of team and figure out a way to beat them. They're just not. We've seen that this year. We saw it last year. They've got to have a certain matchup to play well. And to do well in the playoffs, they're going to have to avoid a fast physical defense like the Colts, like the Buccaneers, maybe even like the Saints. If they can do that, they've got a shot. 
If not, it comes down to hope. They got to hope that they can start and maintain a start like they had against the Colts today. Do you have a lot of confidence that they can do that? I certainly don't. Thirdly, this loss means that the Packers are currently the three seed, judging by the scouting or the standings panel panel at NFL.com. Your mileage may vary there. There may be some tiebreakers they haven't fully factored in, but that would mean they would match up against the Cardinals. I'm not sure I want any part of Kyler Murray right now. And it sure seems like the Cardinals would be able to get open early and often against the Packers. We'll see. What happens next, though? Turning our attention to next week, the Packers get the Bears on Sunday night football at Lambeau Field. Let's hope it's not windy. Bears were on a bye this week. Five of the Bears' last seven games in 2020 are against the NFC North. That's a weird scheduling quirk. Just thought I'd throw it in there. But weird, weird makeup of the schedule for the Bears this year. Let's talk about a couple random observations from this game. First and foremost, via Packers history, including playoffs, Packers history on Twitter, that is, including the playoffs, this is the 19th time in his career that Aaron Rodgers has thrown three or more touchdowns in a game, and the Packers have lost. Three of those have come against the Indianapolis Colts, 2012, 2016, and now today. Last time the Packers had four or more turnovers in a game, week 17 in 2017 against the Lions. It's been a while, and yet they managed to do that today. On a positive note, that Robert Tanyan touchdown play design was just absolutely gorgeous. Two tight ends on one side of the field. Tanyan in kind of an H-back alignment, off the line with his hand on the ground, behind Sternberger standing up on the line kind of running, splitting a scissors-type route downfield. And Aaron Rodgers just takes his pick there. And he picked very well because it ended up as a touchdown. Beautiful design. Shows us that LaFleur can cook up some really interesting stuff from time to time. Honestly, more often than not. But just wish they would not be long strength, her long long segments of the game with an alarming degree of regularity where the creativity seems to go entirely out of the Packers' offense. Have to mention Michael Pittman. Feels like just another big, strong guy running hard with the ball. He seems like he should be a part of the Packers' offense. Three catches, 66 yards, caught all three of his targets, two Can't complain about that if you're a Colts fan. He should be in Green Bay right now. And I know that if Jordan Love turns out to be good, that redeems the entire situation there. So what do we do then? Do we just add that caveat to every draft take that we have for the next five years? Because it might be three years before he starts. And it might be a couple years after that before we know if he's really good or not. So what do you just say till 2024? Are we sitting here going, well, you know, we still haven't seen if that panned out or not. So we don't know if it was a good idea to not get another weapon or any sort of player who would contribute on offense back in 2020 because Jordan Love might still turn out to be good. We don't know. And true, if he does turn out to be good, that makes it a great pick. Right now, Michael Pittman is catching touchdowns and passes for the Colts. Jordan Love hasn't been active for a game this year. 
given that the Packers are close or seem to be close to really contending in the NFC, it just stings a lot in a game like this. I wish I had more to say. That's all the nuggets that I I felt like I could dig out of this game. I wish I had more to say about this game. But as, as irritating as it is, I feel like I don't have that much to say because I don't feel that surprised. And I wish I did feel surprised. True, I did predict a Colts win. And true, there was a bunch of weird stuff that happened in this game. And and this was a weird game. I think we're going to look back on this game a lot like, kind of a lot like the last two Colts games. The 2016 game was pretty weird. Packers lost after giving up a kickoff return for a touchdown on the opening kickoff. Two ha-ha Clinton Dix interceptions. Packers played pretty well in 2012 and still found a way to mess it up. I feel like we're going to look back on this game the same way. I just wish I was more surprised at the outcome. And that's what's getting to be frustrating about the Matt LaFleur era Packers. When they do lose, it always seems like there's a point in the game where it becomes not even surprising at all. Like, oh, I guess we're doing this again, huh? At halftime, it didn't feel like that was going to happen. It feel like it felt like the Packers had overcome that, for me at least. But starting in about the fourth quarter, even though the Colts weren't quite caught up yet, I don't know, check the box score to be sure, whenever, it, it doesn't really matter when they crossed over from being behind to leading. It just felt like as the game tightened up, it was like, I don't know, I guess we're doing this again. And lo and behold, the Packers did do that again. They end up losing in a fluky, weird sort of way. And in a way that didn't seem surprising at all. And I guess that's who the Packers are in 2020. When things go well, it looks really nice. When things even go like two, three degrees away from not going super well, it looks like a mess. And the mess is what we got today in Indianapolis. So I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I'm here to commiserate. Whatever comments, questions, thoughts you want to leave with us as we head into Thanksgiving week, I will be proud and happy to receive them. Let me know. We'll talk through this together. We'll keep the faith. We'll get the Packers to the playoffs sooner or later, and then who knows what happens once we get there. For right now, though, the Packers fall 34-31 to to the Indianapolis Colts. If you like this show, go ahead and share it with somebody you think would benefit from hearing it. I would appreciate that a lot, and it's going to help more people continue to join this conversation we're having around the Green Bay Packers. And ultimately, that's going to be what helps us all become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.